I feel like it is our instruction or our duty to be as dynamic, resilient, colorful, beautiful, brilliant as the plants that we work with. And so really our work isn't just an extension of that philosophy. I work for nature, I'm a conduit for nature. My work really is creating those portals for people to engage with nature in really interesting ways. My work is really about how I can connect people with nature. Really, if you can connect people physically with the plants that they're with nature, then that's a powerful tool. Welcome to Pacific Rim College Radio, a podcast sharing stories and wisdom from experts in the fields of holistic wellness and sustainable living. I am your host, Todd Howard, coming to you from Ravenhill Herb Farm, a permaculture design campus of Pacific Rim College in Victoria, British Columbia. As the show's guests demonstrate, by doing small acts to embrace more mindful living, we can positively impact our communities. Michael Eisted is dedicated to integrating the power, beauty, and joy of plants into everyday life. As the founder of The Herbal, a herb-inspired company that crafts and sells beauty products and curates beverage, cosmetic, and scent-based creations for the hospitality industry and innovators, Michael's genius-like craftsmanship is sought after around the world. To date, he has created thousands of herbal beverage recipes and draws inspiration from nature itself, historical texts, and ancestral knowledge. Many of these are captured in his beautiful book, The Herbal's Guide to Botanical Drinks. As a fully qualified phytotherapist, Michael also maintains a practice seeing patients and helping them experience health and vitality. Additionally, he is passionate about scent and determined to capture time and place through aroma. His current project is recreating the experience of a storied Jamaican music studio through a natural fragrance. This diverse episode peeks inside the mind and inspiration of a true master of his art. For me, it was a wonderful plant-based journey around the world and through the ages. We ground many of Michael's lofty creations and aspirations with the reality of the practicalities of bringing products and projects to life. If you are interested in letting your passion lead, then exploring the filaments, petals, and beakers in Michael's life can help guide you along the way. The pleasure he draws from his work is infectious and his spontaneity admirable. Please enjoy this episode of Pacific Rim College Radio with Michael Eisted. Michael, welcome to Pacific Rim College Radio. Hey, how are you? Good? Good. It's, it's taken a while to make this happen, but I'm glad we persevered finally. Yeah, it's, uh, it's nice to uh, speak with you. Now, you are in the UK, is that right? I'm in between the UK and uh, Germany, so southern Germany, so near Freiburg. I'm actually in Germany right now. Okay. Um, it's a bit difficult to travel right now, but... um. So in between UK and the rest of the world, actually. Yeah. Okay. Well, I want to talk a lot about your work and your journey, and I'm sure we'll find lots of great stories and things to dive into. From what I can tell, basically, you started out with as a herbalist with a bit of a passion project, and that passion project basically took over and became the life of the party, did it not? Yeah, that's... That's that's right. I mean, my background is in food and drink, um, and I came to herbal medicine a bit later in my life. And when I was working in food and drink, I was looking at all the products and everything I was working with, and everything led back to herbal medicine. And um, so I studied 
herbal medicine, then did a degree in Western herbal medicine, studied natural nutrition, and then started my company, The Herbal, in 2012, 2013. And really, yeah, it was to showcase using my knowledge of food and drink really to create a platform in which I could show people how they can integrate the herbs and the plants and nature around them um, into their lives into really contemporary and interesting ways. Because certainly in the UK at that time, it's got a bit better recently, but at that time, herbal medicine, people you know, didn't really know what it was, you know, what it was, what was going on, didn't know how to really connect with the plants. It felt like a bit of a private members club um stuck behind a bit of a dusty cupboard if you like um and so yeah really it was to look it's all about just making herbal medicine exciting i want to hook I, I work for nature i'm a conduit for nature um my work really is creating those portals for people to engage with nature in really interesting ways and so yeah it my work is really about how i can connect people with with nature yeah. So from food and drink as a background, then studying herbal medicine, how did you merge those two loves? Well, if you think about it, it's all it's, it's all interconnected, interconnected, well, you know, through diet, through food, um, yeah, through nutrition, you know, just through health. And that's just grown and grown and grown. Um, and like I said, I was primarily working with a lot of sort of spirit brands, drinks brands, and when I looked at the, you know, I was formulating for a lot of yeah, different companies, for a lot of uh, different producers. And when I looked at a lot of the formula, if you trace it all back, all the history was rooted in very traditional herbal medicines. Um, and so I remember writing a list one day of all the products that I was using in my house, for example. And like, yeah, just everything was traceable back to these wonderful old formula or herbal formula. So, you know, and at that time, I guess I was, uh, I was, I was enjoying myself quite a lot. I was a young man enjoying myself and I was always very interested in healing with natural ways, um, natural resources. And so learning more from the plants really was, yeah, just made a lot perfect sense at that time. And, you know, particularly now over the last sort of 10, 15 years, that sort of more nature centric way of living, working, drinking, eating has just been growing and growing and growing, particularly in the sort of the drink sector. Um, so our work has become just more and more relevant, I think, and more and more mainstream. So did you start hooking up with various beverage producers and creating formulations for them, distilleries and whatnot? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So we create, I mean, I've created thousands of recipes and that can be anything from a startup brand who are looking to do an interesting soda, for example, or it might be a, a well-known spirit brand who are looking to do a gin, for example, or it might be, particularly in the last sort of five years or so, what would be called a non-alcoholic spirit. So these are essentially hydrosols, so water solutions or water distillations of different plants that are then blended together to create what is like a spirit, or it gives the consumer the, um, the emotion or the feeling of having a proper drink, but it's actually a combination of different botanicals. So... Yeah, I mean, a lot of my work over the last couple of years has been, there's been a lot of work on formulating for drinks brands. And then do you have your own laboratory or distillery where you play around with the formulations? Yeah, so I have, um, yeah, I have like a workshop kitchen space where I have a number of stills. So 
that's the other thing about our work is that we really, I really work with very ancestral techniques. So I'm very interested in, and when we do the workshops, we delve really deeply into those, you know, ancient historical references, whether it be ancient Egypt, um, ancient Mesopotamia, um, Persia, um, and these amazing formulas that were being produced a long time ago. And then it's how we bring it into the present and into the future. So we use a range of different extraction techniques, anything from traditional copper distillation to uh, CO2 extraction, to just simple macerations, infusions, and then things like ultrasonic extraction too. So yeah, we use a number of different extraction processes to really, you know, for us, it's all about representing the nature in its purest and um, the best way we possibly can. And for us to do that, I feel like it's, yeah, there's a number of different techniques that you can infuse into practice that really, are, yeah, really helps to represent the nature that you work with. So are you pouring through a lot of ancient text to find some of the traditional formulations that were once used? Yes. Yeah. So that's either online or going to different libraries and searching. I haven't done a lot of that recently, but yeah, in the past very much. So it's like, there's a, there's, you know, there's a ton of papers and a, a ton of research out there. You know, there's not exact formula, um, but the, you know, what's really lovely is those stories of those formula. And then you can see the different formula starting to form as the years go by. And then you have something like um, the Theriac, um, um, Oxymel's, um, which, the Theriac then became what what really is the first commercial drug, which is the Venetian treacle. And this was sold to people to cure them of a bubonic plague, for example. You know, and during this time, I mean, this, this recipe is based on a 150 BC year old formula uh, formulated by Critaeus and the old king of Pontus. Um, and then, yeah, and then it's really interesting researching how these formulae would then go into the sort of the great universities of Persia. Um, and there you'd see a lot of it being documented in writing. Um, and then you have it being expressed in different extraction techniques. And then you've got the birth of, you know, lots of different food items here. And it's, yeah, so it's just really fascinating. Confe you know, we're talking about the history of confectionery here as well, really. Um, so yeah, the answer to your question is yes, we do delve very deeply into the past, the old formula, and then look at how we can then bring that to, you know, future generations of people and get people hooked up on how brilliant and dynamic herbal medicine is. So you're like Indiana Jones meets shaman meets Tom Cruise of cocktail. <laughs> um, that's cool. Well, <laughs> Something I'll, like that. I'll go, I'll, go, I'll go with that. That's cool. <laughs> I'm not sure about the cruise bit, but. Yeah, that was the only thing that came to me in a pinch. <laughs> um, do you then have your own line of herbal beverages or are you just making formulations for others? It's a good question. We used to, we used to have a range. We used to produce hydrosols um, and single plant extracts. Uh, we used to have a range of bitters. Um, but yeah, it's, it didn't suit the way that we worked. Um, and yeah, having the online shop. So we are working on future drinks, um, which will form part of our core range. But essentially, our, what I really loved doing is working with other people to help um, realize their dreams. So yeah, people will come to us with a 
they they like the idea of something particularly now there's a lot of nature-centric sodas or nature-centric drinks um and they'll come to us and go look this is the idea and this is the concept but how do we make this a reality and so i i will help people do that and how do people find you how do they find out about your work honestly most of it is just through my previous our previous work my previous work with other clients um and yeah that's primarily how it's yeah just through people and the exchange of ideas with people and just our past work is really how they find us right well your website is extremely beautiful i i got caught in the rabbit hole of going through it all and and checking everything out and clicking on all the links and yeah it's extremely well done you have on there also a shop where you do have your own products not drinks but you do have other herbal products yeah so there are we more recently we've been working i mean i'm trained in making sort of natural cosmetics it was part of my training and i've always been fascinated in scent perfume natural cosmetics or the external use of herbs and traditional herbal remedies so on the shop we have just this very small i make everything myself it's in the lab it's a very small range of very perfumed aromatic wearable expressions of the plants essentially it's all natural um but for us it was we work with very small producers all over the world who produce oils in very limited quantities extracts and oils in very limited quantities but they're beautiful so it's a way for us to share their work with a wider community um and also you know uh, a space for us to share our passion and our love of some of our most treasured and favorite ar- favorite aromatics so yeah things like rose things like sandalwood things like argilwood things like um rucus so vetiver um so yeah basically the, I'll, I'll be honest they're just products that i love and yeah they're they're there to share with everybody else so we'll be growing that range um, more in the way of traditional attars so wearable expressions again of the plants um and then we're doing some really interesting concept conceptual sense based on um music art culture um and again just making the world of herbal medicine and aromatherapy, naturopathy, just really interesting and, you know, relevant to, you know, new generations of people and making it exciting. Look, the plants are, are amazing. They're the most exciting beings that I've spent time with, you know, particularly now, can't really spend that much time with people. So just go and hang out. <laughs> Go and hang out with the trees and with the plants. They're great. Yeah. And so, you know, as a mantra, I've always said as a herbalist, I feel like it is our instruction or our duty to be as dynamic, resilient, colorful, beautiful, brilliant as the plants that we work with. And so really our work isn't just an extension of that philosophy. Yeah. Yeah. And I would, I would add to that list of descriptives. I mean, you're also making it sexy or bringing that back into the plants because that's always been part of it. But the way... Your website just really has that something about it, that beauty to Thank it. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the idea. It's for everybody. I, I felt like when I was studying and when I really delved into what herbalism was and who it was attracted, you know, who is it, who is it attracting and who is it for? It was like, look, this is for everybody. Um, 
and I felt like it, yeah, like I said earlier, it felt like it was a selective kind of club. I think it's, it's got better and certainly on the West Coast where you are, it's much more dynamic, I think, in terms of the diversity of people and, and the interpretation of herbal medicine over the last sort of, yeah, 20 years on the West Coast, for example, has been phenomenal, fantastic. Um, so, yeah, let's just make it exciting, relevant, inclusive. Um, it, yeah, just brilliant for everybody to get involved with. As many people who can get involved with the plants and understand what they can do with the plants and how they can work with the plants to, to better their health or just uh, have fun is just, just awesome and really inspiring. So, yeah, that's what it's all about for us. So you started out in food and beverage, or at least that's where you were when you had this kind of epiphany that plants are in everything. You decided to study herbal medicine. Did yeah. you have the intention of and the foresight to, to do what you're doing now? Was that part of the plan at that time? No, not really. It, it, it happened very organically. Um, and it was really during that process of studying and learning from the plant the people that were teaching me obviously but also mostly the plants themselves i was like wow i just felt like it wasn't really represented in the way it should be in the in the modern in the modern world um and i saw the nutritionists were doing a really good job of attracting sort of um yeah a, a more dynamic way of working with food and and i felt like well herbal medicine should be part of this and naturopathy this this is just awesome stuff and it just wasn't really projected out into the universe um, in a contemporary way. And so it was just like, well, this just makes perfect sense. Let's, you know, let's start a platform or let's start a little movement here where we can really celebrate the plants and, and give it, you know, our personality um, that can really feed into the knowledge and understanding that we have and the experience that we have with food and drink. So, yeah, it, we started really we started by actually we started selling teas and infusions was the first thing we did as the herbal um again it was you know i was i was just watching people go to the supermarket pick up a packet of tea a herbal tea packet um throw it in the trolley they pay three three pounds for it four pounds for it and then there was just no engagement at all they take it home put it into a, you know a cup of cup and then pour hot water on it and drink it and during that whole process, there was just no engagement that I could see very little apart from some of the organoleptic properties of drinking the tea, smelling and tasting. There was very little interaction with the nature that you were drinking, which I yeah, just found quite bizarre. Um, anyway, so we designed a range of teas where it was very much whole herbs that you could see them, you could engage with them. They were from that year's harvest. We put the harvest date. We were very transparent about where the herbs came from. Um, so yeah, that's how it started. Again, just creating those little touch points with nature for people to get into. And it can be something as simple as drinking a herbal tea, or it can be more complex of ultrasound extracting cannabis or whatever it may be. But yeah, so that's how it all started. But it never, I never really had a plan for it. And I don't really have one now either. Um, <laughs> what was the reception like for that line of teas? Yeah, it was, it was, it was good. I mean, look, we didn't have any marketing budget and it was, a, it was a, it was, it's a crowded place and there was a lot of big players and there was a lot of money. So it was hard to get heard. And we still make the teas now for various different clients, cafes, some really beautiful tea shops. And then we still have private clients that we, we, we uh, blend and sell to, uh, but phenomenal. Actually, it was, it was really great. Um, 
it was a bit more expensive than people were used to paying. And so just to educate people, you know, um, you know, for them to justify that difference between paying, well, hang on, I've been paying for, you know, between three and five pounds for a herbal tea. And now you're asking me to pay double that. Why? Um, but yeah, the response was, was really good. And I just feel like, and again, it's got better, but the whole transparency about the chain of where plants are grown and harvested and the amount of work that goes in, the amount of work that I, I don't, I, you know, outside of the people that work in that industry, people don't really understand or respect how much time and effort and work goes into growing, harvesting, drying, you know, packaging, like just one kilogram of dried herb. Um, so really it was about, it was really, it wasn't really a commercial venture. It was more of an educational piece. So I don't know if you know Anne Armbrecht, for example, do you know Anne? She sustainable herb program. Anyway, it I sounds love, familiar, but yeah, I love her work and I would recommend any listeners to this sort of have a look at what she's done or what she's doing, um, about sustainability and herbal medicine and okay. the, the, the chain of supply anyway. Um, so yeah, it, like I said, it was more of an educational piece rather than um, trying to make money. Yeah, and I certainly echo the amount of work that goes into it. I live on a herb farm, and our initial enthusiasm for being here and harvesting and drying and then using in our herbal dispensary at the college was very quickly dampened by the amount of time and effort it would take to end up drying less than a kilogram. I remember yeah. our, our first harvest of hops that took like half a day to harvest and then days and days and days to dry. And I put them all in a bag and weighed it and it was less than a kilogram. <laughs> it's like, oh, wow. <laughs> it's so much work. It's a really a labor of love. And it's, um, yeah, I, and I was always amazed when I, this is a, this is also part of what happened with the herbal in the early days is the research going into i was phoning out companies and asking where is this herb coming from and i was amazed that you could get delivered a kilo of dried like you know nettle chamomile cleavers to your door for like six pounds or whatever it's like how is this possible and how are these producers making any any sort of life mm -hmm. or business or profit from this this is insane and then digging beneath the surface, it was like, yeah, nobody could really tell you where these herbs were coming from. It was very interesting. And then you yeah. find out it's sort of coming through one or two channels. Um, and then they're just selling on to other people. And then to get the information that I wanted, when was this harvested? Where was it harvested? You know, how old is this herb was really difficult. And so it was like, well, let's, let's try and change this. Let's just try and change that mentality and have a little bit more respect for a, the people that are producing these herbs and working with these plants, but B, the plants themselves. Let's yeah. uh, just have a little bit more respect here. And there um, definitely seems to be a huge shift, at least here on the West Coast. We have so many distilleries and breweries and kombucha makers and other artisan food makers who connect with us to buy herbs from the farm, and they want to actually list that in their marketing. They want to create a story around where it came from. And and we'll literally harvest and deliver all on the same day, or in some cases they even come over and harvest. So, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's how, you know, that's how it should be. And yeah, I'm pleased to hear. Yeah, exactly. I've seen the same here. I think it's a little bit slower than it's probably been on the West coast, but um, it's certainly the same here. Everybody's a bit more interested on that, in that transparency. Where is it from? 
and creating that rich texture of story into their brands or into their products. So it's, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's exploded. It's like this fascination for herbal medicine and yeah, nature centric products has just exploded, whether it be through beer, whether it be through food, whether it be through kombucha. Yeah. All of those things. It's amazing. Well, and it's, exploded in it but it's kind of ironic because we actually drifted away from it and now we're kind of arcing back towards it and it's something that it was part and parcel of everyday life and yeah. I had Peter Conway on here several months ago and he talked about how all candy originally came from herbal products and that's right and all basically distill distilled beverages whatever they were were herbal based yeah. and so we really did deviate from that but it's great to see us coming back into it yeah so yeah the, that's right the confectionery side of things the, the theriac that i mentioned earlier was then the persians added started adding things like sugarcane to these herbal mixtures and that's where yeah confectionery was born mm-hmm. what sort of surprises have you encountered along this journey uh, the biggest surprise to me is how little people know I think about the plants and about nature. I think mostly that has been the biggest surprise to me. I mean, even now, if I go out onto the street and to ask people what herbal medicine is, still fascinated to, you know, oh, is that homeopathy or is, is a very regular response to that question. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's been the biggest surprise to me. Um, because more and more so people you know, they want to work with herbalist naturopaths. They, you know, there's a desire more and more to be connected to nature. I find just with the evolution of technology and where this, where we're headed, that balance of being still very much connected to nature is, um, yeah, I feel, I feel it in everybody I speak to. It's almost like everybody wants that reconnection with nature. But yeah, I guess the biggest surprise was yeah how little they knew about sort of how to do that. Um, so yeah, that was the biggest surprise. And you're living in two places, two countries where herbalism is a deeply entrenched in the history, and so That's that really right. surprises me that with England and Germany, they're so connected to to plants and the usage of plants over the millennia. That's that's shocking that they've been that there's that much removed from them now. Yeah, I think, like I said, I think it's a slightly improved over the last 10 years, but still, yeah, still nowhere near where we should be. You know, and I think this the current situation we're in at the moment has just sort of amplified the need and desire for a lot of people to be connected to nature. And, you know, for us, it's just creating those touch points. How do I do that, you know, for different people? How do I, for us, what's really exciting, I love being out in nature and, I love being with the plants, but where I really get excited is okay. Well, I've got my I'm I've got my plant now. What do I? How do I work with that plant or the constituents in that plant to then create something really dynamic and beautiful? I can hook other people up into herbal medicine or into that plant with that formulation. So, yeah. So I think there's a lot of you know still a lot of deep and profound and dynamic work to be done in connecting people with nature. And I hope in a small way that we can do, you know, we can do that. We can help facilitate that. What sort of influences and connections to nature did you have in your formative years before you started studying herbal medicine? 
Well, I think it's, I think there's things that you don't realize at the time are very profound. Like, I, I guess for me, like the, our, the pathway into our home was lined with roses when I was a child. And um, yeah, as I grew older, I realized how profound that relationship I had with the roses at the time was, yeah, how profound that relationship was. And ever since I've had um, very interesting relationship with the rose. I, yeah, I'm kind of obsessed with it. Um, so there was that, and I remember smelling uh, rose geranium as well when I was a child. That stuck with me for forever, um, and that was a real that was a real inspiration. And again, at the time, I didn't realize it, but later in life, I yeah realized wow, that was a real that that was a real inspiration. Um, yeah, and I guess when, as as a younger as a younger man, being with my grandparents and my mother, just having that, there was just that much deeper knowledge of the trees and the plants. If you would to walk with the, with my mother, for example, or my grandmother, they would understand all the plants. Um, they'd know what the plants' names were. They'd understand when they were flowering. All of those things. Um, so yeah, that was also a, a big inspiration. And I think, I think it's, and I think, you know, if I now if I walk around with the the younger generation, apart from a select few, it's very interesting how again how little they know of, you know, what a plant, you know, what you know, even something simple like calendula, for example, or yarrow. Um, yeah, people just don't know what they are, and then how useful they can be, you know, particularly something like yarrow. So I mean, phenomenal, what a fantastic ally and friend, and. Um, yeah, it's sensational, but but yeah, I guess there's a lot of work to be done on education and getting people to understand how useful these plants are and what sort of relationships you can have with them. Well, sadly, everyone seems to be more interested in what's on their screen than what's in nature all around them. So it's it's tough to get that connection. Yeah, I think so, but I think there's a I think there's a coming together. Where, I mean, look, we we can't fight that you know the technology thing has happened is happening and it's just about how then and i'm really fascinated with then how do you how does nature and technology work together i think that's quite an interesting that could, could be or can be an interesting future um yeah i mean certainly looking at the sort of renaissance of psychedelic medicine at the moment on certainly where you are right now on the west coast it's quite incredible what's happening there um and so much money and tech going in and cannabis obviously going into that space and you know i'm a bit wary of what's going to happen here and i think this needs to be very sensitive but i'm very interested in seeing where this goes um and how that develops that relationship between technology and nature mm -hmm. but you're right we have to pull people off their screens but i think people want to be i think there's a will um there's enough will from people in, I think, to want to be pulled away. So it's again, yeah. it's giving giving them those that inspiration to get pulled away from the screen, and then they can take pictures of it later and stick it on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> well, and we, yeah, there is a way to integrate it, and in our online herbal programs are extremely popular. My mom is. I was just chatting with you yesterday. She's in the middle of taking her community herbalist online program, and she went out for a walk. She was taking pictures of plants in her neighborhood, and uh, I think it was 
dandelion and she had a little herbal app and it couldn't identify it and it said something like i don't know what it is but it probably should be sprayed with weed killer (laughs) i'm like mom you need a new app (laughs) that's not for many reasons that's not a good app yeah and i don't yeah the app's not the right way to go about it that just so that that's 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 just not fun Pointing a camera at a plant and getting the camera to tell your phone to tell you what that plant is, that takes the joy out of, yeah, but the botany side of things. I remember I used to walk around with um, uh, Julian Barker's book. Um, do you know Julian Barker? He's quite a famous herbalist here in the UK. Um, I, don't, so I don't think so. So he did a lot of work on plant identification and is a, he's, he's written some really good texts on it. So I used to walk around with that book and my magnifying glass. And that was... Oh, know, there's something beautiful about that. Yeah, that's precious. There's precious times and beautiful connections with plants to be had there. And I don't think that connection's possible if you're sticking your phone... <laughs> sticking your phone up and taking a picture. That kind of defeats the object. But I think there are ways of sort of, yeah, um, integrating technology and herbal medicine like you said the pacific realm online herbal courses for example is great and i'm looking forward to finally filming my part for that course yeah we look forward to having you here or there or wherever that's going to happen but i think we're in discussions now that it might be happening in europe so i think okay we might, um, yeah that's the way things have been going a lot lately yeah. so yeah. it's a shame i i you know i'd love coming to to the island love victoria love vancouver island um i'm looking forward to coming back soon yeah we'll make it happen somehow yeah you have a book don't you i do have a book yeah can you talk a bit about it yeah so the book is the herbal's guide to botanical drinks and um it's a book on botanical drinks but it's more than the book on botanical drinks it's a book on our work our passion um a lot of what we've spoken about really it's a it's a book on how you can integrate nature into your life lives in really interesting ways um and with my background being in beverage or drink that's what i use so it's a, it's got a lot of recipes over 50 recipes it's all non-alcoholic um shows you ways to work with plants how you infuse different plants how to work with plants through the season harvesting um, drying methods, extraction methods, how to make hydrostoles, how to work with CO2 extracts. Um, and then it's a very contemporary take on very sort of an- ancestral, traditional herbal medicine. Um, yeah, I did, the name of the book, um, I fought with my publisher about it. I don't like it too much because it is more than a book on botanical drinks. It just okay. happens though that a lot of the recipes are, are drinks. Um, but yeah, so it's a really cool book on, yeah, how to make delicious, how to build relationships with the nature that surrounds you and then working with that nature, bringing it into your home and then creating some fantastic potions, tonics, um, lotions, fermented drinks. Um, yeah, how to apply those herbs in really interesting ways. And what was that process like for you creating that book? Um, stressful. You worked with a publisher, right? Yes, I work with a publisher, yeah. So it's um, Quarto, which is a quite big publisher, but it was Jackie Small, which is an offshoot of Quarto. Um, It was was okay. It was just, uh, I'm a bit of a perfectionist and I 
I had a vision for the book and you know you speak to a lot of people who write books for publishers they'll tell you it's amazing how many people share the same story um so it was great I mean most of the work had been done because I'm constantly you know I'm producing recipes for myself for my clients for my patients every day so I have thousands and thousands of recipes so it was really just pulling that all together um into one book I think there's one more book in me at least one more but it will be done um I've learned a lot through that process and so it'll be done in a different way um yeah. but it's a lovely book it's beautiful a friend of mine Susan Bell did the photography and it's beautifully shot um and the feedback's been great you can it's now available in French Spanish German and English which is cool um yeah it was it you know mostly was uh it was a nice pleasant process but I just feel it could have been better because it was originally I wanted it, the contemporary the herbals contemporary guide to alchemy is what I had hmm. um as the title and I thought that was very interesting but um yeah so it's um it's cool yeah it's a good book have you Would not you... have you not read it I haven't read it. I think we have it in our bookstore though, but yeah. if we don't, I'll try to get some in for it. No, sadly, I have, I couldn't even keep up with all the books that the guests on this podcast have written, but I'm, I'm trying, <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> would your next one be self-published? It would either be self-published or with a publisher who truly understands um our philosophy yeah my philosophy and would just yeah be happy just to obviously with their guidance and support but honor your vision for the book exactly so yeah there's a publisher chelsea green i think it is that oh yeah yeah they're good yeah um so some a publisher like this would be great yeah look i'm I, i i sound really that's i'm being a bit negative about my book um which I shouldn't be. I'm very grateful. It's it was a it was a tough process, but I'm very grateful that I have the book, um, and it's a lovely book. So, yeah, yeah. but yeah, so, um, next one would be yeah, either self-published or with a more sensible publisher. It's a big enough chore task undertaking to write a book to then have to wear another hat and figure out how to publish it which means you've got to design it and format it and like it's we actually just went through that through pacific room college online to create our guidebooks for our online herbal programs and there were like 10 of us working on that plus some outsource people and it was a massive undertaking yeah it's a lot of work yeah for but sure. it, it's, not, it's not happening anytime soon i don't think um my focus now is i've we've started I've started practicing much more again recently which has been great um I just felt like it was a time for people to come to us and yeah get you know have some support through through the herbs through naturopathy through yeah yeah through aromatherapy so we're practicing a lot more at the moment which is great so you have a clinic yeah we have a clinic yeah yeah we have a clinic in our house but obviously everything's online at the moment um yeah, and I've actually I've always tried to keep my toe in, as you would say, um, in practice, just because I think it's really important. Um, so we keep up to date with all the research, um, and we I like to always have you know one or two patients at least on the books 
Um, and I'm finding, yeah, like I said, I just felt like it wasn't a time to be out there selling. I mean, because it's so noisy out there, you know, a lot of small businesses have sprung up during this time and a lot of people are trying to sell stuff to people in their home at the moment where I really feel like it's time to be there um, to support people. I'm, I'm a trained herbalist and nutritionist and naturopath. So I have a lot to, I hope to give to people. And so I felt like it was now time to, to offer that again. Well, that sounds amazing. Yeah. And it's, it's important to keep those connections too, as in your ongoing journey with ever, whatever products or undertakings you're doing to have that connection to kind of the roots of herbal medicine, which totally. was using the plants to help people. Totally. I mean, that's it. It's really ultimately about connecting people with nature. So they're healthier and feel well and better. And, you know, um, yeah, so it that feels totally relevant right now. And I hope I can help as many people as I can through, through the different layers of our work. Of the thousands of recipes that you've created, do you have any clear favorites, any standouts that you can talk about? Mm, it's a good question. Or they're all just that damn good that it's... There, it's hard to pinpoint one or two, um, but it really... What about favorite plants to work with within those that's, drinks? Yeah, that's, so, again, there seems to be a few plants that I tend to gravitate to. I've always already mentioned yarrow i work with yarrow a lot um both medicinally and sort of more as a flavor and more as a i love that plant a lot the rose i always always work with different types of rose so we work with um a really interesting producer in um uttar pradesh in india um in hasian and they distill a rose damasena um in tiny quantities and that as an oil is just just unbelievable and so rose has a strong affinity for I, yeah I, I i love rose my daughter's called damasena um and so that's a plant i work with a lot on a lot of different levels through through aroma aromatherapy through drinks through recipes um what else um tend to work a lot with ashwagandha quite a lot it tends to be a plant i use quite a lot recently um um sage salvia officinalis um and when it comes time timian i mean i played this i always play this game with fellow herbalists where we spend the evening whittling it down to if you could only have three herbs what would they be <laughs> and but that you, you really go into detail why how what would you use it for what and why would you and it garlic always comes up fairly hmm. if you if if you want to call that a herb or a vegetable that's another bone of contention but <laughs> it tends to be garlic rosemary uh and thyme yeah wow. those would probably be just because of the range of therapeutic um actions as well um and the diversity and the dynamism of those and what you can do with those herbs i think from a culinary drink medicinal um pers aroma perspective is yeah but it's that's a, that's a difficult one um but yeah those three in particular fantastic well that gives me extra comfort living here where we do because we have lots of rosemary and thyme and 
garlic when we choose to actually a lot of garlic whether we choose to plant it or not it just comes up year after year yeah yeah garlic's amazing echinacea yeah I, yeah i mean it's it's that treasure chest and that's what it's all about really it's a opening up that pandora's box for, for people to sort of delve in and you know get creative for themselves so always when we uh, went through our practice too i never i was always a bit dismayed with watching people in my clinic when i studied is that a lot of the formulation and a lot of the medicine given to the clients was the same type of thing take this brown liquid five mil three times a day and it's fairly reductionist you know and fairly um yeah and i felt like the you know there was a there was a trick you know they were missing a trick really in engaging people with the nature and a, and a deeper level like some of the people that were coming through our clinic at university they would they had sort of no idea really what was in that brown brown bottle you know and what they were really taking um and for me that was that didn't feel quite right so i'm always through our practice i always make sure that i connect people on a deeper level with the plants that i'm giving them for their health and that can be through yeah making a di more dynamic formula which they can drink um for example my most recent client i gave her a, i did a special powdered mix of fermented turmeric fermented ashwagandha um high levels of curcumin high levels of ginger extract that she could whisk into like a like a matcha latte for example because she was so hooked up on coffee so it was something to some rituals that she could she could uh replace the coffee with and then i always you know we always make sure that we give them as much information as possible about each herb they're working with pictures if they can't go out and spend time with the herb themselves that's ideally the best thing they can do um, but if not then it's pictures imagery video content um and yeah as much information as possible i'm glad you brought that connection up because it is so easy, as you say, to just take this brown liquid in a brown bottle and have zero connection to where it came from. And yeah. for me, living in a herb farm and being able to walk through the gardens and we intentionally let things go through their full life cycle and the bees love it when the alliums come in the bloom and the beautiful starburst of flowers or maybe when the cardoons or the artichokes that we don't harvest when they come in the bloom it's just this spectacular display of nature and there's so much healing in that mm -hmm. and just lying out in the garden and hearing the buzzing of the bees and just being immersed in that energy for me that's as, as therapeutic as actually taking internally the plants 100% and I would say almost more therapeutic than giving someone five milliliters of a tincture which was made on the other side of the world um yeah look you have patients where look they do need a, a high level of a particular herb in a you know in a fairly strong dose and that's fine and that's great I'm totally you know obviously that's part of that therapeutic exchange but you're absolutely right that you know the really if you can connect people physically with the plants that they'll you know with nature then that really is a powerful that's a powerful tool yeah. um and so if you can inspire people to grow their own herbs for example even if it's in an urban environment whether it be through a little you know window box whatever it may be again you have just these different like an onion you have those different like an allium you have the, those different layers in which you can 
you know, really connect people with nature. Some people already have a quite good relationship with them. And so, yeah, it's about creating the tools for people on many different levels. Um, but always, yeah, that emotional or physical engagement with the plant and the nature that they're working with is really important. And as you just mentioned, it's not everyone has a herb garden, but we all do have access to some form of nature, even if that's just in house plants. I remember 20 years ago, I was in a rental house and we just had a small little room of the house that was filled with windows and we filled it with hundreds and hundreds of potted plants yeah. and just put a little bunch of pillows on the floor. And that was our little reading nook and just to go and sit among those plants or take a walk outside, have your flower boxes, whatever it is, there are ways to be more connected to nature and to the healing that you get just through that connection. 100%, 100%. And even in your urban environments, just going out into the street, you can be really surprised at, you know, how resilient these herbs are and where you'll find these herbs. I, I never forget in London seeing just this matricaria growing out of the wall of a <laughs> of a building like just totally isolated nothing else living around it and i looked to this wall and there was this matricaria just, <laughs> just coming out of the side of the wall and it was like that's just insane that's amazing um 100 and that's part of our responsibility and our role as herbalists to to open up those connections for people and that can be people in any situation anywhere in the world um yeah there's always there's always a way yeah michael what are you working on now what are some of the upcoming projects or current so, projects like i said we're working on these natural attars um and conceptual perfumes and scents so attar um, what so attar is ignorance which is a traditional oil-based perfume and it would be um, in a base of sandalwood so it's traditional in sort of Persia and India, um, uh, Mughal period. Um, so a lot of the big Indian um, families would be distilling sandalwood and then infusing other oils into this sandalwood to create um, these beautiful perfumes. Um, so we're doing a range of attars. Um, I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you a little bit more about. We're doing a, a scent. Um, like I said, conceptual sense. So these are based on makers, creators, artists that we really love and people that have inspired us. And so the first one is based on the Black Ark, which is Lee Perry's old music studio in Jamaica. Um, so we've designed a, um, a natural fragrance based on that studio um, and Lee Perry's work. I wouldn't and imagine a music studio smells that good. I don't know, Lee Perry Studio. <laughs> it smelled pretty good, I think. Right. Um, and so we found some old reel-to-reel -reel tapes that he used to use. Uh, we found out what wood was made, his old, like his studio would be made from. Um, we're replicating a bit of sweat. Obviously, there's a bit of cannabis going in there. Um, and then we're fermenting some hibiscus and some ginger and ultrasounding that together with some broken... Um, seven inches of Lee Perry and the old reel-to-reels and then some really traditional Jamaican plants and spices and herbs. And so that's going to be a very interesting scent. And so there'll only be sort of, I don't know, 10 of those, five to 10 of those, very limited releases. Um, and then- where, where did this come from? Like what a, it sounds like a 
crazy I don't, idea. I don't really know. I, I guess, it, I've, yeah, I've just been interested, in, yeah, how you can capture a time and a place or what you think, Mike, I obviously didn't go to the Black Art, but what, yeah, an expression of a time and a place and of a music and people and of, of the nature in a scent and what that can then trigger in people and how interesting that is. Look, it, this might just be a um, project for me uh, and I'll, I'll enjoy wearing it, but um, yeah, it's gonna be a fascinating journey, I think. And so the idea is then we go to another maker. So it, we might go to a potter um, uh, craftsman and someone who's, who's making ceramics and then capturing a scent of what a ceramicist would daily life and how that you would capture that in a scent. We're looking at working with a champagne maker to do the same. Um, yeah, that's the idea. So yeah, that's fascinating. Uh, we are working on a range of nature-centric sodas, which should be launching next year. And actually, they were looking to launch those in North America too. Um, and so, again, just really delicious ways of ingesting very dynamic, complex mixtures of plants into your life in really pleasurable, yeah, pleasurable ways. So um, that'll be a carbonated um, drink, range of drinks. We're working on some powders um, for a project in the UK, um, which are powdered plant extracts, so whole plants, um, extracts of plants, um, mushrooms, um, and they can be integrated into, you know, daily rituals or routines, simply with hot water or hot milk or with porridge. We've just finished a project in Sweden, which is a very similar vibe where it's lots of really interesting mushroom and botanical powders. Um, yeah, lots of things going on. Um, yeah, yeah, sounds like it. I, I didn't want to interrupt, but I do want to go back to the Lee Perry thing for a minute because you mentioned some interesting things. You said putting some sweat in there, I think. And then you also said seven inches of, of reels. Yeah, so I have, uh, I'm sort of, they're just over there, so I'm always looking at it. But um, yeah, so I don't know how this works, but what I'm trying to do is get the, the scent of vinyl into a perfume. So wow. I've, and, and so with ultrasound technology, I'm going to smash up a Lee Perry 7-inch um, and infuse that with some of the aromatics and ultrasound that the vinyl into those aromatics and the reel-to-reel -reel. so there's reel-to-reel -reel tape um i can't sorry off the top of my head i can't remember the name of the tape machine we used to use <laughs> that's um, all right. and um that's never been done before that i know of um and it may yeah um, i let's see how let's see how that works i mean i'm fascinated to 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 see the or smell the final i've i've mapped it out and i'm just about to start working on it um, it, so I have all the individual elements. Now it just needs piecing together. I can't remember the name of the main character in Patrick Suskin's book, The Perfume or Perfume, but this is yeah. reminding me very much of that, how he was trying to capture the scent of different people. And Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, um, yeah, it's, I guess it's more than the person. It's just that time as well. Because what's fascinating about Lee Perry's work, you know, I've always inspired by his because he worked with minimal equipment he had 
virtually nothing compared to other producers at the time. And what he created with this equipment or what he used to put into those equipment and then what would the output from 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 him would just be just outrageous, just amazing. Um, dynamic, complex, beautiful, brilliant um, sounds from just nothing. And then just mm. to watch it work is just, yeah, I mean, just phenomenal. So for me, it was like, okay, well, let's try and capture this time play. And then you'd have all these people like Marley and the Whalers and uh, the Heptones and whoever it may be coming to the studio and all the, you know, every day they'd be, they'd be cutting some just brilliant music every day in the Jamaican sunshine and, you know, surrounded by these different plants too. And then obviously smoking quite a lot of plants. And then so to be able to capture that in a fragrance or a scent would yeah, it's just again, just a very interesting. Sounds incredible. And through your processes, are you avoiding the toxic components of things like plastic records, vinyl records? Yeah, obviously we're trying to avoid that. I need to see, you know, we'll obviously get it tested and see what happens when I do ultrasound it, um, just to make sure there is no toxic elements in there. Um, but I think I think it'll be fine. Oh, so it's very cool and very, very out there, man. <laughs> you're, the first, you're the first people to know. I've kept this a real secret. Apart from my <laughs> wife, the only people that know know about this. This so, is the world premiere of it right here. West Coast, first to know about it. But yeah, wow. when I'm over, I'll make sure I bring some um, samples. You can have a little smell. Yeah, that's sounds fascinating. Wow. Yeah. It brings a whole new, literally a whole new depth to that experience of listening to these musicians to actually listening and smelling like i can see, if you pull this off this is going to be if movie theaters ever reopen i can see this like coming into movie theaters well i would I, i've often talked about this i'm amazed that people or institutions galleries spaces theaters all of these things don't work more with scent because that's a complex version of something but you can work very simply with scent and have very profound effects you know just take hospitals for example i mean the work that they're not doing simply with color and scent is amazing i mean they can yeah. change the spaces with very little budget um to, you know comprehensively change the space and so people would feel well in that space or or, or weller or healthier in that space by literally just painting it a different color yeah. and, you know, and, and, and creating a fragrance to go into that space. So I'm very fascinated. I do, we do a lot of work in that area and we, it's something we're trying to do more of. Um, you know, I'd love to hook up with some charities, institutions who would willing to put up, you know, put in investment into this because for very little investment, you can, like I said, you can change your space. You know, someone like Brian Eno has been trying to, has been championing this for a long time. Um, but not many people are listening, it seems. Um, yeah. Well, it's, you're so right about hospitals. It's not only those two senses of, of sight and smell, but they could change the touch of them, the feel of them. They could change the sound of them, the taste of them, I mean, the food. Uh, yeah. Like but absolutely just nothing is designed for healing in those environments. Yeah, but you just got to make it affordable because I think the big thing is obviously with a lot of hospitals is money, finance. So 
Yeah. You can start slowly and like a very easy, quick fix would be color and scent, in my opinion. I mean, sure. I mean, exactly the worst place to be if you're not feeling very well is a hospital, right? I mean, it's, yeah. I I used to live in Sri Lanka and I just loved going to the little Ayurvedic spas that were there. They're not spas in the traditional sense that we think of them, but just these little hovels. But the smell and the feel and the just the energy in these spaces was so amazing. It was healing before therapy even began. Yeah. So you mentioned your dad. How many kids do you have? Two children. So Damasena is four now and Florian, my son, is two. I'm sure the herbs, they're, they're part of your everyday existence. How is that impacting your kids and being absorbed in them? They love, they love it. Like they, I mean, I think for their age, they are really used to ingesting pretty, pretty potent mixtures of compounds. So if I have any glycerites or tinctures lying around, uh, essentially pretty much everything that I ingest or I will take, I will often share, share a smaller amount with them, obviously, depending on what plants are inside, but pretty much everything. Mm-hmm. I think yeah for them it's something that i didn't have growing up so much and so like i mentioned earlier my work is really then what do i do with the plant when i have it and so it's breaking it down finding out what elements can work with what different flavors and so to immerse my children into that world is really cool and they both love it you know they they i have i've set up i'm in germany right now so downstairs we have a cellar and I've set up a little studio and a, a little workspace down there and they just love coming down and getting immersed in all the smells, the scents and the, all the botanicals. And they, their knowledge is, Damasena for her age, her knowledge is really good uh, of the herbs. It's fantastic. Yeah. How have they inspired your work? It's a good question. They've inspired my work. Um, hmm tenfold really i think it's but i i think i once i had children i changed change well do you have children sorry do you yeah have i have a seven and ten year old and okay. same they they grew up surrounded by plants and so it's yeah. it's part of their fabric yeah exactly so then you'll know exactly that you know everybody tells you it's going to change your life it's going to change your life and you're like yeah 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 and then you're like wow okay that's really quite something and so I guess it really changed the way I, I worked. And I guess I just became, I felt, I felt really untouchable before I had children. And now I feel much more vulnerable in a way. Um, and that in turn, yeah, just changed the way I worked. And I think what it also inspired me to do was I've always worked with quite exotic herbs and I still do, but I think having kids and, and having the children around me has made me appreciate and work with the plants that are perhaps a little closer to, to home than I used to, which has been really interesting. Um, and I, they're just, you know, and then just on many different levels, they're just endless inspiration for, yeah, mostly just fun. (laughs) (laughs) You know, to be honest, it's mostly just additional chaos and fun and, we just go a little bit crazy and yeah, it, it's great. But yeah, that, that, that's really interesting to think about that is that, yeah, I started to work with a lot more plants that were closer to home. Yeah. 
Yeah, nothing quite as impactful as having little ones that are part of you. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, and I'm just, again, just very pleased that I'm able to inspire them and give them that opportunity to work with the plants and engage with the plants. It's cool. Michael, where can people learn more about you and your products and your book, your work? Well, very soon, Pacific Rim Online. Um, so I'm hoping to film the um, our section of the, the, the herbal course um, this summer. So I hope in the fall this year that that will be up online. What is uh, it that, that you're filming? So we're shooting. It's like we're doing... Um, um, a beginner's course, again, just around my work, how you can integrate the herbs into different drinks, potions, lotions, tonics, uh, fermentations. So, um, yeah, it's a very hands-on course on, yeah, our, our practices and sharing our practices with people um, and our take on herbal medicine. So that's really cool. Um, be primarily around sort of drinks. And then there's going to be, so that's an entry level. And then there's going to be more a more advanced level. Um, so we'll delve a little bit deeper into extraction methods, um, extraction techniques, um, more complex um, fermentations, more complex infusion methods, working with plants throughout the year. Um, so what constituents, you know, if you're, if you're harvesting hawthorn, if you're hawthorn berries, for example, if you harvest them at the beginning of the season and you harvest them at the end, they have, different sets of constituents so it's about sort of working with the plant through its whole growing cycle um and producing medicine that captures that plant through its whole growing cycle which is another interest of mine because herb herbalists and growers very rarely talk about terroir and how that affects their herbs and then what the constituent makeup might be of that particular plant or herb during a particular year because of the climate because of the difference in weather um and then what it's like through that through that growing cycle. So it's how you can capture that plant in a in a medicine. Yeah, um, and there's so many micro subtleties just down to the phase of the moon and yeah, the, totally. the time of day and time of month. And... Totally. Yeah, totally. And then what? And then how do you, how you handle it once you've harvested it? For example, yes. a lot of Japanese studies are very interesting on literally what happens if you handle mint in a particular way what constituents come out of the plant or how the plant behaves. Um, yeah, exactly. All those micro details is really wow. fascinating. Um, you know, I don't think it's necessarily too much to go into that much detail, but certainly when you're talking about climate, um, yeah, the, you know, what it's growing on, what it's growing next to, um, what was the weather like? Yeah. How do you behave around that plant? All of those things are really important. And not talked about enough, in my opinion, um, yeah. when it comes to herbal medicine. So I want to know, like a wine, when was that produced? What was that vintage? Why was it, you know, why does it taste that particular way? Why does it have that, you know, that amount of that particular constituent? Why does it have that amount of terpenes in it, for example? Um, I just feel like it's very much sort of like a large brushstroke. Here's a hawthorn tincture. Um, or here's a time tincture, but it can be really different year on year. Um, so I'm fascinated in why and then what difference that might make therapeutically and what difference that might make organoleptically for for my clients or for my patients. Um, so otherwise, um, the book, obviously, and then um, online, 
www.theherbal.com, double L on herbal, so the old English spelling. Um, and I, you can sign up there and we're going to start sending out a more regular newsletter. Um, yeah, and I guess the usual, there's Instagram. Okay. Don't really, don't really use Facebook. And the handle is always the, the herbal. I'll put the links in the show notes. And should we just go ahead and say that for the launch of the online courses through Pacific Rim Online, it'll be the world premiere of having scent added to the, the visual and the auditory experience as well? Yeah, I would, I would uh, you definitely gonna, hope so. Are you going to capture the studio scent and bring it over yeah, to us? 100, 100%. <laughs> 100%. No, 100%. I'm... I'm I'm totally down with that. And when I'm come to visit you on the farm, I'd love to do a, a you know a fragrance for the farm. I mean, that's just fantastic. Awesome. Well, you can catch a, a fragrance of the recording studio here and blend it with the rosemary and thyme and lavender out the, outside of the door. That's fantastic. Well, thank you so much for this, Michael. I'm glad we finally managed to connect. It's been over a year since we've been trying, but there's been a few things happening in the world that have interfered with us doing this, but here we are. Thank you, Todd. Really nice to catch up with you. Yeah, it's been a great conversation. And again, I'll put all the links in the show notes for people. And actually, just as a, a winding down here, a lot of our listeners are students of herbal medicine or new practitioners Do you have any parting words of advice for them as they're getting their foothold in this wonderful world of plants? Yeah, 100%. I'll go back to what I was saying earlier. It's just really be as, yeah, just go for it. Just be as dynamic, colorful, resilient, brilliant. Um, Be inspired by those plants and nature and just really, yeah, just, just go for it. There's a whole heap of work you can do on so many levels as a herbalist and you're not just constrained to a clinic and dispensing herbs. There's a, a whole world of people out there who want the knowledge that you have of the plants and um, you're going to have a fantastic time sharing your knowledge of the plants. So just go for it. Thank you, sir. Great advice. Great connecting with you today. Take care. Take care, Todd. See you soon. Thanks for listening to this episode of Pacific Rim College Radio with Michael Eisted. For more information about Michael and his work, please visit his website, theherbal.com. That is T-H-E-H-E-R-B-A-L-L.com. Also, pick up a copy of his refreshing book, The Herbal's Guide to Botanical Drinks. If you are interested in studying Western Herbal Medicine, the School of Western Herbal Medicine at Pacific Rim College offers world-renowned programs, including world's only study options combining Western Herbal Medicine with acupuncture and holistic nutrition. Visit PacificRimCollege.com to learn more. Also, don't forget to check out our online education in herbal medicine by exploring the amazing course offerings at PacificRimCollege.online, including many courses featuring other guests of this podcast. Sign up for our newsletter to learn of the upcoming launch of Michael's online course. If you are interested in receiving clinical services in holistic nutrition, herbal medicine, and acupuncture and Chinese medicine, the student clinic at Pacific Rim College provides more than 7,000 annual treatments. Live holistic nutrition and herbal medicine consultations are both available online, while acupuncture and Chinese medicine treatments can be had at our Victoria campus. Free treatment options are available in all areas. 
Visit the Student Clinic at PacificRimCollege.com for more information and to book your appointment. If you enjoyed this podcast, share it with your friends and family and give it a five-star rating on whatever podcast app you are using. Thanks for tuning in. The next time a smell takes you somewhere in your past, smile with the knowledge that people like Michael are passionate about awakening senses.